Painter, they're here. Or they're coming here, at least. It's coming home. The Football. British. No. The Koozies. Remember? Ooh. Remember those? Remember the, the, the month-long uh, journey we've had with them? A few people have reached out. I've said, don't worry. Berg's taking care of it. Yes, they're on their way. I uh, know uh, we're recording this on Sunday, and uh, they're supposed to be in my possession by the end of the day. That means they will start putting them out and shipping them out to all you fine folks who ordered them on Monday. And so hopefully you'll you'll get them uh, sometime in the, in the this week or next week. So um, I understand your pain. I get it. I didn't go to CC's for a full week. Waiting on something that you really want is difficult. So why did you not go back? Are you waiting on me to go? Uh, You know, I would like to have another date with you. That would be nice. We can go tomorrow. You want to go tomorrow? Let's 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 pack some koozies and then uh, ship them out and go to yeah. Let's do that. Let's let's you know it's it's about to be a busy time of year. Um, Fall camp starting on on uh, Thursday. How many opportunities are you going to have to go to CC's once fall camp starts? (laughs) I mean, you're going to be so busy. (laughs) It is just it is just absolutely uh, impossible. The life that. of a reporter, folks. The Can't even their... go to our favorite buffets these days. <laughs> they're taking our buffets from Thanks, us. Thanks, Kirk. Uh, they're taking our buffets from us. They are taking everything from us. Now, I, uh, I, I, I said it would probably be a little bit later than expected. It was later than expected, but, but we're gonna get them out to you well before tailgate season that akron game you're gonna be rocking it they're gonna be people like wow where did you get that and judging by what's been going on this week the akron game will you know at least by then it'll be down to at least you know what 102 degrees outside it should be nice and this was a brutal week i bet you were glad you were no longer working outdoors this week i've been working inside again and this was a good back to the old back to the old the old desk job great week to be a quitter in my book it was oppressively hot this weekend. Like I was, I was very focused and committed on not going outside. I went to the lake yesterday, and like okay. the first two feet of water were like you know warm bath water, and then you would go like the third foot down, and it was icy. And I didn't even mind that part. The first, so like your feet were icy. Yeah, the whole yeah. Time. I was like, oh, I've got it. That's gotta be a weird feeling. Like it if was part of your body is yeah, like my calf. Like down. you were in a really weird, like halfway heated bowl of soup. It was a special time for me. I loved it. I loved being lukewarm everywhere except in my toes. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson here. Painter Sharpless here as well. Hello, Painter. Got some good sleep last night. I'm feeling real nice. I took a two-hour nap at the lake, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was, Outside? Uh, no. I was no, about to say. It would, that would not have worked well. So Painter's rested and ready to go. I'm I'm doing all right as well in the in the sleep category. I mean, people were asking me last week. It was like, why do you sound different on the podcast? And we talked about it in the midweek. It's like, he yeah, like well, we're not great. Of, yeah, I had like a gallon of mucus in him, I think. <laughs> Still trying to work through that as well. So you sound, you sound, you know, pretty good. Sound a little better. Sound a little better this week. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got a lot to discuss here today, football and basketball wise. Uh, Auburn football fall camp just around the corner. Uh, this will be our last free podcast before we get into that. Um, so for those of you who are our weekend warriors who are uh, who are not subscribed, and we understand if you're not, you know, 
Well, one of us does. Well, one. <laughs> Painter's <laughs> going to play bad cop there, but look, look, I understand. You know, um, not everybody, not everybody has has the disposable in, income to uh, uh, finance our nonsense. So we understand that. But uh, you know, this time next week we'll be talking about like actual football practice stuff and takeaways from that. So that'll be exciting. But until this then, this is the year. This is the year, and we'll talk a little bit about Bo as well. Uh, in this podcast, but let's start with the news, the biggest news since we last talked. And so, for for those of you who are uh, who are in the inner circle since our last midweek pod last week, where we kind of previewed the NBA draft, well, the NBA draft happened, and heading into the draft, a lot of people thought, "Hey, Auburn's got a shot at well, another first rounder, maybe an outside shot at two first rounders." Well, that didn't happen. Uh, JT Thor and Sharif Cooper both going in the fir- in the first half of the second round, uh, both going to Southeast Division teams, and they're not going very far at all. We will get to the fits and where they are and what that means moving forward, but I think one of the things in this podcast we try to do more than anything else, Painter, is hold ourselves accountable. I'm holding myself to account, and would you believe it? I got something else wrong. Yeah, I and I did too. And here's the other thing. A lot of other people got it wrong too. Because throughout this process, it seemed like it was going to be an absolute lock that Sharif Cooper was going in the first round. And that did not happen. He slides down to the second round to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, this was something that I know people who covered Auburn, Auburn fans were like, what the heck is going on with this? Um, but also it's like, NBA draft people, like the people who are paid to cover this and talk to team personnel and all that, Sharif was pretty unanimous as being a first round. Some places might have had him early second round, but one of our favorites, Sam Vicini, said something about Sharif that I appreciated, which is that, like, yeah, I mean, you know, he he I think thought that Sharif was somewhere in the twenties, right? And he called he had him as like on his own personal board. I think he had him as like the nineteenth best okay. player in the class. And he called Sharif perhaps the most interesting player in the draft because right. Sharif has these things that it's like, wow, really, yeah. really great at these things, but also like, okay, sure, doesn't have a great. There shot are very right obvious now. weaknesses right now in his in his in his, in his game. You know, did not shoot very well. Did not score efficiently around the rim also last season as a finisher. I think when defense is adjusted to him, kind of did the little you know, sag off of him kind of thing. and Which uh, I guess you could really expect him the next level to be right, an even greater Gave him problem. a firm challenge at the rim. And when he wasn't drawing fouls, we all remember that Kentucky game. You know, it was it was an issue. But, yeah, I mean, his passing is otherworldly for, for, for a guy his age. Um, you know, and... His size will always be a thing. His defense will always be a thing until, you know, it like those it, things, the, the height, not so much, but like he could get better at defense, but I don't think he'd be of, better at shooting. I don't think could any of us expect scoring. him to ever be an elite defender. And some of that's probably out of his control given right. his size, but it's not like it can't get better. Right. But one of the things here is just that it was pretty unanimous, you know, from, from the people who covered the draft that he was going to go in the first round. Like no one, really gave him a second round grade and, and and coming out of the combine and coming out of, of, of the workouts, it was like, Oh, he's doing really, really well. And well, he kind of locked it down. Didn't he and JT sort of stop doing some of those workouts because I think they were confident about their, their landing spot to some extent, at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're not going to do, I think some Sharif's of those... was run by his dad, gotcha. his agent. Um, and we'll get into some of that as well later on. But, um, 
that was it was it was really surprising so it was like we got that wrong i think a lot of other people got that wrong too i don't think we were going out on a limb with that um and the interesting thing here is is that in the case of sure now look jt thor when he went into the draft people were like maybe maybe he'll get drafted and then it was like well maybe he's a sec- you know, early second rounder and then it was like well, okay there's a chance that he might sneak into the i mean josh primo Went in the lottery to the Spurs. So got to shout out a guy I shout out all the time, Alston, mm-hmm. because we talked about this. And one of the things he pointed out was that it, in, in Auburn athletics over like the last year, as he put it, the matrix has just not been in our favor. I mean, outside of, I think the really good news Auburn has gotten over the last couple of months that have sort of broken the matrix, if you will, are that you have a top five player that's that stayed and signed with you and Jabari mm. and then you got Walker Kessler like those are sort of the yeah. positives that Auburn football and basketball have had at large over the last six months to a year and uh it did seem appropriate that Josh Primo yeah. someone who I guess I thought could be a first rounder but could very well find himself in the second round was suddenly a lock and it's tough because like Kyra Lewis snuck in there last year I think he was the last lottery pick yeah in the previous draft and now they've got Primo who shot up draft boards on draft night and then it's like oh these guys Sharif and JT fall to the second round I mean almost and I don't think anybody painful I think Sharif and Josh Primo kind of were in the same range of prospects and they got picked like the pick difference between them and in the 30s which is wild to think about but it was the thing, and I and I tweeted on draft night. Like, all it takes is one team to fall in love with you. And for the Spurs, they've been doing this for forever. They find the guy that they really like, and it doesn't matter what what conventional wisdom or you know the the traditional board say at that point. They're just going with their guy. And in this case, it was Primo. Can end up being a really good pick. Might I remind you that the San Antonio Spurs were really good at drafting for a very long time, including in more modern times, Kawhi Leonard saw Kawhi Leonard as a guy, you know, that ended up becoming a perennial all-star. That was not that was not what people were saying about him coming out of San Diego State. So all it took was one and you thought that like maybe, well maybe somebody will will see that in him. Maybe somebody will see Sharif this like, okay, well we can turn him into a really good point guard down the line. We could steal somebody who ends up being a really good player in the draft. Same thing with JT Thor. And so the Knicks kept coming on the board, and it was like, oh, this makes sense. And there was a lot of connections between the Knicks and Cooper during the draft process. That didn't work out. They kept trading back or going going elsewhere. And so that late in the first round, it was like that run of like, well, is it going to go to the Jazz? Is it going to go to the Suns, who we've tried to push him to for this whole process? And that didn't happen. And then early in the second round, you started seeing guys getting picked that were necessarily or weren't necessarily big name people and it's kind of feel felt kind of scattershot um but he wasn't the only one like one of the other ones to keep in mind that that fell down boards i know that vicini had especially higher up on his list is jared butler from uh from uh from baylor jared butler was an outstanding player on a national championship team i think he might have been i think he was most outstanding player at the final four and he goes to the jazz in the second round and it's like okay Maybe there's just something a little bit off about this. And outside of the top three or four picks, the mock drafts really didn't hold steady at all. I think everybody knew it was going to be Cade Cunningham at one. I think everybody knew it was going to be Jalen Green at two and and Evan Mobley at three. And then after that, I mean, once Scotty Barnes went off the the board at four, it was just kind of like, all right, all bets are off. And there are always slides in the draft, and there's always, you know, surprise what people would call reaches. And unfortunately for 
Auburn's case, they didn't have a they didn't have a surprise reach. They didn't have a high riser. They had a slide. They had a pretty notable notable slide in in Sharif Cooper. Unless and it was you very want to count because, Davion like, Mitchell, huh? Unless you want to count Davion Mitchell. Unless you want to count Davion Mitchell, which great for Davion, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. Definitely deserves to 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 be in that to, to be in that kind of range as a prospect. Um, you know, I know you weren't able to watch it live. You were keeping up with it, um, you know, through various means, but. Uh, the ESPN broadcast was stunned. Like they kept bringing up like Sharif Cooper's still out there, and they would throw up the Trey Young graphic of like he, these are the only freshmen to do this in a season. You know, average twenty and eight or whatever it was in a in a season, and it and it's like, what is he still doing? And then there was a there was a quick little moment when Kendrick Perkins, <laughs> who had himself quite a night, especially when he tried to pronounce Moses Moody's name, incredible. I think he missed it like 11 times. There was a <laughs> there was a point when they were talking about Sharif Cooper and Kendrick Perkins says something to the effect of you know, it's not the talent with Sharif Cooper why he's still on the board. It's everything that goes with him. And then he mentioned something about the interview process, like what happened going going on interviews. So, it sounds like it's something that had nothing to do with basketball that could contribute to the slide, right? That's one thing, but the thing about that with Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins, that was the first I had ever heard of anything like this. I have not seen anybody else kind of dive in and report anything on it, because I thought on Friday it was like, all right, we're going to figure it out. Even Sharif, when they're asking him, you know, when he had his media thing with the Hawks, it was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to focus on, you know, why I'm here, but I'm just going to keep going on. It wasn't even like, it looked like it was kind of surprised him to a degree, you know, reading between the lines there. The Hawks, uh, the Hawks front office was like, well, we obviously didn't think he was a second round or a mid second round pick. So we were delighted when he came back through to us. That was one of my first thoughts was how happy are you if you're Atlanta? This guy that seemed to be a first round prospect, got the whole nice little thing about him being a hometown kid. Mm -hmm. He's still on the board. It doesn't feel like, you know, that was one of the things we talked about was would the Hawks spend draft capital to get someone that, resembles Trey Young but wasn't as good of a prospect coming out of college. And we said and I said And if you're doing that as a second round it's We like, said well, it on the midweek so episode. I had said it several times. Yeah, exactly. Like I had said it several times in this process. I did not think the Hawks were a good like when people would mock him to the Hawks uh, I was like that's not a good spot. I don't see that that would be a really good landing destination because it was like, All right, well, if you draft Sharif Cooper you're either wanting him to be your point guard at some point, or you're going to like fill in for like maybe an aging guy or something like that, a veteran point guard. Trey Young's young and one of the best point guards in the league, one of the best players in the league right now. That didn't seem like a good destination. Well, that's when you're talking about him as a first round pick. That's why it didn't make sense. Second round, okay. Second round, you're just trying to you're just trying to find hits. I'm also actually excited to watch summer league now. So that's the that's yeah. a small little bonus that I've got going. It, it, in the second round, you're trying to find guys that fit what you want to do that you feel like right, can be diamonds in the rough. And and being a second round pick is not, you know, dooming Sharif Cooper or JT Thor to life where they're not ne- they're never going to be really good players. Like the Sharif decision, we're always pro like go get your money. This is one of the few times I've ever looked at a draft because of the way it was turned out. It was like, hmm. You might have been better off serve coming back for another year, working on those weaknesses. NIL, he would have that made was, a lot that of money on NIL. I, most of the time when people reference the name, image, and likeness thing, because it's new and I don't think we totally know where the market is going to set right. some of these guys' value at, a lot of times when I hear people saying, well, they should come back, it's it's in the same vein of like, well, 
I think you want him to come back because he would make your team better. Right. But it, there is an argument now that I think exists out there that based on where his draft landing spot was and that he probably would have been one of the most notable basketball players. Yep. At least in the conference, right? I think his like, Instagram. Fo- I think his Instagram following alone was like top ten among college. Yeah. Athletes. So I, I do wonder could he have earned an, a comparable amount of money coming back and playing for Auburn one more Perhaps. year? Perhaps. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. And it's like, like I said, you're not doomed to be irrelevant in the NBA with a second round. Where pick. was the most recent MVP of the league pick? The second round. Nicole now that's Jokic. obviously uncommon, yeah. but it, it's at least well, Draymond to say Green that... was a second round pick. Chris Middleton was a second round pick. There have been some good second round picks. You just have to. It, it, it's just harder to kind of break through. And the interesting thing with Sharif is this: he's going to go to the Hawks, right? He's not going to be the backup point guard right away there. He's going to spend time in the G League. He probably was going to spend time in the G League maybe if he was a late first because that's usually what happens with some of these guys that aren't. Like, we need you right away. You're a superstar type of prospect. Um, Because I think, yeah, the Hawks picked up DeLon Wright uh, in a trade in a weird three-team trade. I think the Celtics were involved there from the Kings. So DeLon Wright... Which, if you if you don't know if you don't know Delon Wright, tall point guard, um, used to play for the used to play for the Raptors for a while. Um, that's probably your that's probably your backup point guard right now. But you know, short term, I think what they're going to want to do with Sharif early on is kind of give him you know put, put him back and forth, play him some play him some in in College Park with the Skyhawks, give him some G League time, get him some NBA time, and if he takes off, he takes off. And if that if the ultimate goal for the Hawks here is, is that is he going to be a guy that can be a backup, a really good backup for Trey Young? And the fact that when they come, when Trey's off the floor, and Sharif's playing his limited minutes, the cleanup minutes, the the backup minutes for the point guard, they don't have to change what they do as much. Because when Trey Young's on the floor, you know what you're getting. You're getting a dude who's on the who's in attack mode, who can throw crazy passes, can do all the lobs. Now Sharif is not a shooter like Trey Young is. He doesn't have that range. He's gonna to have to develop some of that, but getting to the free throw line, drawing fouls, you know, doing all that stuff, they will be able to go back and forth on that, and that's a huge boost for the Hawks. For the Hawks, it makes a ton of sense. Really good spot uh, for him to get to land him in the second round. And then the other thing to keep in mind with the second round picks is that you're not making more money up front. But the other thing you get in that is you hit free agency earlier. the The contracts aren't as long, which can be scary because it's not guaranteed, but it also can be. Well, if it works out for you, if you are one of those second the market round quicker. guys that that turns mm-hmm. out to be a really good pick, it's like, well, now I can get my money sooner. Right. So shouts out to that if it does work great. Yeah, and we've seen in the past guys who blow up, who were second round picks or even undrafted guys who blow up in playoffs, you know, playoff runs and stuff like that, and then go turn around and get paid uh, by another team. So that's possible for Sharif. Um, again, not sure what all came in the slide. I mean, if if everybody around the league was, you know. The people who covered the draft thought he was a first-rounder, and he ends up being a mid-second-rounder. You do wonder, like, why, what the reasons were ultimately. Did the NBA, did NBA teams always look at him as a second-rounder this whole yeah, time? Like, Apparently the Hawks had a higher view of him than that, but maybe the Hawks were one of the teams that were higher on him than, than others. He didn't just slip into being, like, the third pick in the second round. It was like, I guess, what was he, 12? About the middle, yeah. Was he 48th out of 60? Yeah. So it's like you're a little bit closer to not being drafted than to being in the first round. Now... 
okay, what does that really mean? I mean, again, we know some of this is just about which teams like you and which teams have the availability right. to take you. For Sharif, I think being in his hometown, having an opportunity to play and learn behind Trey Young, um, I think it's a team that will be patient with him. I think it's a team that a front office that has done well with its draft picks here in recent years. It's a team on the rise. It That's a good bat for basketball reasons. It's a good landing spot. But also you got to think it's like, what we're talking about all the time. If we were thinking about it as a first round pick, this was going to be one of the tougher spots to land in because you're not you're not unseating Trey. It seems Young. unlikely that in the next few years Sharif Cooper will be a better player than Trey Young because I don't think there are yeah. that many players in professional basketball who so are either considerably his ce- better. So either his ceiling is going to be with the Hawks and being that number two point guard for them, and then having a chance to get another contract somewhere else at some point in time, or you know he plays his role and goes somewhere else. Either way, I mean, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see. JT Thor, on the other hand, another guy. Well, maybe you reach for him in late in the late in the first round. Somebody falls in love with his upside and his intangibles. He goes in the early second round. This is where he was projected to go. Um, I know there was some talk about him going first round at some point, but Thor different situation here with JT Thor in the fact that you know. He's not as popular of a name as as Sharif Cooper, so NIL. I don't know NIL wouldn't have probably affected him quite as much as it would have Cooper if he came back. Um, and it did seem like he had set this as a goal, right? I mean, yeah. Well, he reclassified. He reclassified and moved. And yeah. So, I, the, I admittedly I don't know anything about Charlotte's roster except that Lamelo Ball is on it. But I will also add that like I couldn't help but feel like a twinge of disappointment about it because it's just not a franchise that I think of having success at all, especially with doing things in its front office. However, there's some people that seem to have a differing opinion in part because of what you just mentioned, all the youth on their team. I don't know if that's a camp that you fall into. They certainly got it right with LaMelo. Yeah, they, they obviously did. They got a, they, their other pick, their first round pick, um, their lottery pick, their early pick on on Thursday night was James Booknight from uh, from UConn, who is a really gifted two guard scorer. Um, a lot of a lot of fun watching him. I think him and Lamelo in the same backcourt will be a lot of fun to watch in time. They've got Miles Bridges. They've got some other pieces. Uh, Gordon Hayward was was uh, a guy they acquired and and and, and have had and before his injury. He was doing really well. Um, and then they 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 got some versatile front court pieces. JT being one of them. They go get Kai Jones out of Texas in the late late in the first round. It's just a very young roster of, with a lot of fun athletic players. So I think when you watch Lamelo Ball play, and you watch the style that Charlotte's trying to build right now, JT Thor fits right in. You know, can do some of everything. Can run. Can attack. Uh, can be a menace in transition. So I think JT is going to be a great fit there. Um, and again, another place where he will have time. And as an early second round pick, you start looking at him. What does he do in summer league? What does he do to get on the roster? Uh, Charlotte is another one of those teams that has their G League team very close to home. Uh, they Their their G League team is in Greensboro, uh, which is not too far away from Charlotte. Uh, you know, so there's some back and forth uh, possibility there and Thor one of those guys it's like he's going to get paid to play basketball right now which was seemed to be very important uh, for him and I think he's going to be on a team that has done well with young talent here recently after years and years of just being kind of flailing around as a franchise um, they've got something cooking with with LaMelo 
Um, and then they've got some other pieces they really like. Uh, you know, Devontae Graham and Malik Monk. They've got young, exciting talent uh, all around, and they might not be able to keep all those guys in time. But getting Boot Knight, getting Kai Jones, now getting JT Thor, it's just, I think stylistically, like Sharif to Atlanta, it makes a lot of sense for JT. Um, you know, it would have been different if you went to a place where they asked their four to, like, be, you know, a twin tower or something like that. So, um, I like that. I like that landing spot a lot. And, it, and the Hornets, um, you know, the, the Hornets made moves all night to, you know, get in, get into the right position. And they made a move specifically to go get Thor. And I think that, I think that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good sign for what he could end up being. So Auburn's first round, um, streak comes to an end. At two, I don't think it'll be another year without one. I will feeling be very su- pretty good about the old feeling Jabari. pretty good about Allen getting mocked early too. I saw at least one where I think he was a first rounder. Is that correct? Was that? Yeah, Gibney I could that see. That? I could see. I could see Allen. I could see Allen being a being a first rounder. Like if he has a really good season Things as this veteran, well. and like NBA teams showed in this draft, also they're not afraid to draft older guys. It's not just crazy upside like you can go get some older dudes and let and let them on mitchell Corey cory kispert cory kispert went in the lottery to the wizards because the wizards are trying to build gonzaga east and like uh, we'll see how that works out but like him and rui are going to be playing together which is fun for me but i don't know how fun it's going to be for anybody else by the way russell westbrook getting traded to the lakers is just that that devastates me like on so many levels I no, guess, no shade against LeBron, no shade against the Lakers fans specifically. It's just like fascinating. I move. just don't wanted. I didn't want to see that. I, I think it's great for their regular season because I think it'll take some of the pressure. I'm and fascinated to see off how they play together. Guys. But then I do wonder about like spacing. I know AD. The little bit I know about AD is he doesn't really like to play the five, and it's like, well, when the playoffs come around, I think given what you've got on LeBron and Westbrook, like he might have to put on his big boy pants and, and move to the five. Either way, you got one of the most exciting players in the league joining two of the other most exciting players. Although yeah. Westbrook is sort of hitting that part of his career, given how much he needs his athleticism, where I wonder, is his game going to evolve? And I kind of think no. I think at this point we know that well, the, how Westbrook plays. The other thing that's interesting with the Lakers is that you felt like coming into this, this offseason, it's like, oh, they need more scoring, they need more shooting, right? LeBron is the guy you want with the ball in his well, hands a the lot. The Buddy Heald thing was a connection. Bradley Beal, yeah, was a, was was a big one as well. And then they go trade for Westbrook, which apparently Westbrook wanted to play for the Lakers. He's an LA He's guy. From that, that area, that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. But it's like I wonder, like how you have a ball handler like Westbrook and a ball handler like LeBron coexist. It can work, obviously, but I'll be. I, I'm just sad because I like West, I like sure. Westbrook and I don't want him I don't want him on a team that the Warriors have to play all the time. I, this this has been brought but up. The Warriors few, are not doing anything, so like it's just like this has been brought up a few times over the last few days. But the amount of superstars that Westbrook has played with his oh yeah it is a fascinating lineup of some of the best players. In well, the now league. the combination of KD, Kyrie, LeBron, and Russ they've all kind of played <laughs> like kind of mixed up with each other at some points in their careers. Um, yeah, the Warriors, they get Moses Moody, who I like, and they get Jonathan Kuminga, who I really like as a prospect, but he also can't shoot. And, um, people said his defense wasn't great in the, in the, in the G league. So, uh, great. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see how this all puts together, but the Warriors, yeah. they have no shooters on the team. 
Well, they got Moody now, so I was happy. I was right. hoping that you know, good for good for uh, for him to land to where he is. I was kind of hoping selfishly that Corey Kispert would land with him because if you get the best shooter in college basketball and put him on a team with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, it'd be like, oh, that wouldn't be fair. And then be him being a Gonzaga guy, but I think Moody definitely fits what they want to do moving forward. So, I uh, yeah, interested to see in the NBA moving forward what this means for Sharif Cooper, what kind of career he has. I think Atlanta fans seem to be very excited about him, very excited that they get a first round talent, you know, in the in the pre draft process, falling to them in the middle of the second round. I feel like they see some of that with uh, with with JT Thor as well in Charlotte. So, in time, I think those guys will be a lot of fun. Uh, keep an eye on the G League because um, I think you'll see some get those guys spend some time there. And who knows? Maybe you'll be able to develop into, into pieces that uh, play play some pretty good basketball. By the way, uh, speaking of all, Auburn's other players in the NBA, uh, Isaac Okoro getting a new teammate in a top five pick as well, and Evan Mobley who, I mean, that's a defensive nightmare duo right there. If you get the best defender... Uh, from the from the last draft class, compare him with the best defensive big man, best big man overall in Cleveland. I like what Cleveland's building. Um, it's not flashy, but like you're not going to, unless you have a LeBron James, you're not going to bring free agents to Cleveland more often than not. So that'll be fun to see. And then Chumo Kiki uh, getting a new point guard uh, with him, uh, you know, and, and another one of my. Uh, beloved Gonzaga boys and, and, and Jalen Suggs. Really surprised that the Raptors didn't take Suggs at four. And so the Magic take them with both hands and run. And if if the Magic, like they've tried so hard to find that point guard, they you know Cole Anthony being one of them uh, very recently. But man, if Suggs can be the guy he was at Gonzaga, I think Chuma's going to get a lot of opportunities to get some open looks. And that'll be a lot of fun to watch. All right. Well, it was a little disappointing. Yeah. It was a little disappointing. It's hard to, to say, given that I had for about a year had it in mind that Sharif very well could be a first-round pick, and it certainly looked like over the last you month or two like it was going that You didn't look like that up until the draft. Up until we got to the end of the first round, I was like, oh, well, this, that was the first time I'd ever even thought of that he might not be a first-rounder, honestly. And, like, that might have been, you know, looking at it rose-colored glasses or whatnot, but it's just... The vast majority of people who covered the draft thought he was a first rounder, and so it happened. We'll we'll see how he reacts to it and, and moves forward. I, I know I there's a lot to like. Seen many about. people doing this that I'm aware of, which is good. I think for a number of reasons. But have you encountered any Auburn fans that have been like, "Oh, Bruce gave him bad information"? Because I a little I, bit of I that. haven't seen that, which is good. It's like no, that's not what happened here. Yeah, like, but also it's like. <laughs> Bruce wanted those guys back. Yeah, it's not I mean, like I mean I think they told what gets kind of twisted a little bit is the story of with Chuma and with and Isaac. I with think Isaac especially because Isaac was like, oh maybe I'll come back, and he's like, dude, you're going to be a top ten pick, and then he were, ended up being a top five. Yeah, pick. they were looking at the way things could fall, and it's like this is your year. Yeah, given go, the way the draft class stacks go and up. go get it. Um, I don't think those were the same conversations that were had with Sharif and, and, and JT. That's just. That's just my read on the situation. Mm. But, yeah, um, Auburn, you know, those guys could have come back. The roster would have looked completely different. The The fact of the matter is is that Auburn basketball this upcoming season is going to have a really good roster, a really deep roster. Would it have been great to see Sharif Cooper come back? Absolutely. But you got a guy in Wendell Green Jr. I think is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm already hearing some really good things about him uh, in practices. Keep an eye on him for sure. 
Um, and, and he'll be, I would think he'll him and Zepp Jasper can create a lot for you. Katie Johnson as well. Um, and then JT Thor would have been outstanding if you're an Auburn fan to see JT Thor play again, because he was such a good player and such a fun player. But like, you're already in a spot right now where it's like, all right, between Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith and, and, and Jalen Williams. And then, oh, also, uh, also everyone's favorite Dylan Cardwell and stretch out and bullet. It's like, man, that front court was already kind of busy. Well, the obvious solution to this would have been... Playing Jalen Williams as a point guard, yes. Yes, moving and having one of the tallest lineups in all of college basketball. I'm thinking thinking a lineup where Jalen plays the one and... Allen plays two, JT plays three, Jabari plays four, Walker plays five. Yep. Everybody's six five or taller. Yep. yep. <laughs> or, or you could go with another lineup where... Jalen plays the one. JT plays the two. Oh. Jabari plays the three. Walker plays a little stretch four. And then you got Dylan Carwell loading it up down <laughs> just low. Keeping Allen playing again on the bench. Because it's like, sorry, you're going to get your minutes. But we're, we're going like, to Allen. It's like Allen's on the bench at that point. But then all the guards you just get. Like the first the first time out, Bruce subs Allen in. But he's like, every starting lineup is going to have nothing but six foot five people in it. I, you know, I, I, think the, I think that's the, you know. I know why you don't do this. This is I was the big advocate when he was around of like play him with the five once. Like give me a lineup where he's the five one time. I want to see it. I want to see a, like the ultimate small ball lineup with him and Jared and, and Bryce. And it never happened. And I, I was like, all right, well, you don't. I mean, this is why I'm not a. Well, there's plenty of reason, but this is why I'm not a college <laughs> basketball coach because like I would play like that that Christmas break December game against like. North Carolina Central or like UC something and I'd be like all right we're running the five center lineup like right here and it's like <laughs> well this isn't helping anybody and you're just you're just you know you're just you know just flexing on like a like a team full of like you know guys who are just happy to be here this is not helping anyone, but like, yeah. But look, look how cool it Ferg is. Ferg only cares about lineups. He doesn't care about the records. People are asking you in the post game why you did things, and you're like, the lineup looked cool. I don't, I don't care about the results. I heard that the team, you know, our scouting report, and from what we saw on 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 film and on paper, was that they were very small. So we ran five centers out there at the same time. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> All right, Auburn fans, it's going to be okay. Bruce Pearl. This is for you, baby. I need you to sweep the Crimson Tide this year. Ooh. They're moving They're moving into in basketball. I've moved on from football. It's a lost cause. It almost doesn't hurt me anymore when they win. It's like, what are you going to do? But basketball, for a brief moment, this looked like our thing. And now, and now that Yankee has come in here and is doing a great job. And it's you know where Bruce annoying. is originally from, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, okay, it doesn't matter. They're two different. You've got white bread over there from Michigan or wherever he's from, and you've got a beautiful cultured man in Bruce Pearl. All right, they're not the same. They're not the same. <laughs> white bread from Michigan. Well, right. let's, see if that, let's see if that makes the cut in the podcast. Oh, God, it's so frustrating. I mean, I when I was like, of course Primo went in the lottery. Of course. Yeah. And he's a good player. I was just well, like the other thing that the other thing that always strikes me is like, okay, NBA draft and the NBA has a different value of what what's a really good basketball player. Like Herb Jones was the SEC Player of the Year last year, and he gets drafted early second round. Like, eh, okay. One I was thinking of though, but John Petty, 
Betty, who I have always been an advocate for because I like dudes who just want to go in there and just put up as many threes as possible. Hopefully you can get a chance to get a two-way deal. I like John Petty a lot, and I'll always be a John Petty fan. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's some guys where you're like, oh, that's a really good player. I mean, he was awesome. And it's like, yeah, but we think he's a second rounder. It's like, okay, well, we have different opinions on what, on, 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 and that this is also why I'm not on an NBA front office, because I would probably still try to run the five center lineup at some point there, except for it would be with the, you know, the Sacramento Kings. Although I think they could do a whole lot worse. The Kings, the Kings are building something like, they're they they've got a lot, uh, they've got a lot I like about that team. If 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 they could ever figure it out, and apparently the healed trade is maybe or maybe not going in or whatever, they've got a good bit of players that I'm that I'm 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 big on right now. All right, Painter, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk some football news. All right, Painter, before we go into to the football news of the day, let the folks at home know how they can continue to support what we've got going on on this, uh, on this internet radio pr- platform. Rate, review, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, ladies and gentlemen. Also, football season right around the corner. Ferg's going to have you covered. We're going to have lots of good stuff on fall camp. Yes, you're not going to want to miss it. Tell friends and enemies. Hit the subscribe button. It's that time of the year, baby. It's August. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, if you can give us a review, a written review, five stars, it means a lot to us. It helps us out a ton. Uh, so we appreciate all of you who have done that already, and uh, Painter will threaten you if you haven't. That's right. That's uh, right. If you want to subscribe to the Auburn Observer, $6 a month or $60 a year, this is a perfect time to get back on with fall camp starting up. We'll have a lot of coverage uh, throughout camp, into football season, into basketball season. We're about to go full speed ahead here, really, for the next, most of the next year, basically. Like, we start going in, in early August, and we don't wrap up until... Hopefully, if Auburn hits where they think they can, late March, early April. So, um, you'll want to you'll want to be a part of that uh, with the Auburn Observer. And also, think about it that way. By the, by the time that rolls around, spring practices will all be going again. And we'll be going we'll be going through that as well. So, um, a lot of coverage um, of fall practice. A lot of preview stuff coming up as well. We've also, if you subscribe on Monday. You will get a breakdown, our latest recruit breakdown of Auburn's newest commitment, and it's a pretty big one, no pun intended. Uh, Caden Story committing on Sunday to the Auburn Tigers. Uh, he is a guy that you know. I, I'll go into much greater detail of it in the in the Monday newsletter. A guy that I've watched a lot um, in the last couple of years, especially last season, uh, helping out with. Our buddies Justin Lee and, and Jordan uh, Hill over at the OA News helping them out on Friday nights. I ended up going to a lot of Lynette games because they were a whole lot of fun. I think it's your favorite team, right? To, That's in, my favorite team area. to cover. I like his I – mean, so so Caden Story's dad, Clifford, uh, is one of my favorite coaches to talk to. His older brother, Christian, played at Alabama – or is playing at Alabama, I should say. It's just a, a good team and a good family, and I, I enjoy I enjoy coming. So I will admit I am biased in that regard. But but he's a good player. Objectively, <laughs> here's the thing: he's the highest rated uh, commitment so far of this class. It's another four star. Auburn gets one in back to back weeks. Uh, top ten player in the state of Alabama. Top twenty uh, d- defensive lineman. Uh, top 
depending on where where you kind of what you're looking at for your positions. Uh, really good size on on uh, on Caden. Um, he is listed on two four seven sports right now at six four two sixty four. Um, he reminds me a lot of like the Colby Wooden, Zykevius Walker types coming out of high school where they're big and they have frames that could let them get bigger once they get into college, but just absolute terrors in pass rushing. Um, his, his stat line last year at Lynette was insane. He had 66 tackles, 21 tackles for loss, 18 sacks, 31 quarterback pressures in 13 games, uh, according to his numbers that he posted uh, on Huddle. Um, and I'll say this. I've co- I, I covered several Lynette games last season. This dude, one-man wrecking crew in the pass rush. Uh, he is big, and he plays like it. He's got a great motor, very consistent. Um, you don't see him taking plays off. And he's got this desire to get better because he sees that his older brother goes to Bama from a 2A school. At, at that point, they were 1A, uh, Lynette was. And dad's a coach. You get all those kind of good qualities that you see in that off the, you know, on and off the field. But this dude just, this just wrecks offenses. Like, he changes the game. There was a game I covered last season where they played, uh, they played Dylan Brooks and Hanley. A game finished six to three in overtime, and it was like a showdown between. It was like it was such a defensive slugfest because Brooks and 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 Story were just the other offenses, which were really good offenses, couldn't do anything because he was just kind of tearing it up. He is he's a destructive force, and he also fits in this system quite well. Be interesting to see where they have him at Auburn, but like. Lynette runs a three-down defensive a defensive front, so he's already got he's already used to playing on that de- that strong side defensive end position, kind of like where Colby Wooden would play. I look, I, I I really like this pickup. I like the kid personally, and I like it. I like it. the player and the, his family where he comes from. But I mean, just watch him on film. This dude just tears people up, and you'll see some more of that if you're subscribed tomorrow on, on the website. Come on, baby, keep this going. We need some help in this recruiting class. I'm uh, not hitting the panic button yet, but let me say internally, I'm really hoping for that five and zero start because <laughs> like I just I didn't ever expect this to be uh, the class of the century for Harson and Co. But we're right. off to a slow start. This is the best news probably that they've gotten. I mean, Garner. They've got. They've gotten back to back. Back to back Sundays, they get four stars. And Garner's an interesting case because he's got the bump up, and having a quarterback that's recruiting for you is important. And Alston has been very vocal about bringing other people into the class with uh-huh. them. So, yeah, I mean, I think Auburn has had a nice little uptick in recruiting news here in the last two weeks. That that part's undeniable, but still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and when we talked about it earlier earlier this year, it's like where they need to be to be in. You know, that blue chip ratio. It's like, well, right now they've got three four stars and five three stars, and it's like that's not bad. I mean, you're already playing ahead a little bit with some reclassification. You could see where a dude like Michael Riley Ducker or even a Jay Fair could jump up to four stars. Um, you know, consensus wise. So it'll be interesting where the rankings all shake out because they do a few of those refreshes throughout the year. Um, but yeah, Caden's story. I, I I really like where. You know, I really like where he fits into Auburn's system. Um, he's coming from 
you know, he's played great defense uh, for a while. He's a really good pass rusher at this position. Be, be very curious to see because here's a couple of things with him. He plays two-way football. The jump between two-way football and SEC football is pretty large. Um, now, they play good competition, and he's got good players around him that you know play go on to play college football. Uh, Lynette has done a really good job of producing, producing talent. But with the right development time, I think he could be really good. Um, seeing how he'll – like, if he can get bigger, how he can hold up and run stopping. But, like, he's done a lot of work because when you watch a sophomore film – he does a lot of stuff where it's just like, I'm bigger and stronger than everyone. And I'm just going to blow people away. And like, that was great. You know, you obviously can do that last season. He made more of an effort to like to really work on his hands and increase his pass rushing moves. One of the reasons he's coming to Auburn is that he's going to learn from an NFL defensive line coach in Nick Eason, and he's going to help him get to the next level. And, and that's a win for Auburn. So slowly, but surely this is starting to come together. I like the fact that this, off the, this recruiting class had a a foundation of here's our quarterback, here's our running back, here's a really fast wide receiver, here's a tight end that does everything we want him to do. We've also got a couple of players on the defense that we like early on, but they needed the line of scrimmage. And so for your force foray into recruiting linemen in this 2022 class and picking one up is one of the top 10 players in the state of Alabama and what is a really good year for talent in the state of Alabama. Uh, I think you'll absolutely take that if you're Brian Harson and his staff, and I and I think in time he could be a very he could be he could be a very good player like 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 a like a success story like a Caleb Wooden or Colby Wooden I should say Caleb's brother uh, or uh, you know Zacchaeus Walker some of those guys can develop in time that you want to bulk him up you want to keep him down I, we'll see but like he's a he's a he's a really he's a really good player uh, that I have seen with my own two eyes and can confirm like. This guy changes the game whenever he steps on the field, and uh, I think he's got the I think he's got the motor and the work ethic to to go to go far in the SEC. All right, all right, some good news for the boys for Harson and the boys. Sweet, sweet Derek Mason, keep it up. Um, there's more guys who could be coming on their on their way. Uh, one of the ones that people are talking about maybe committing sometime soon to a program is Drew Bobo, the son of. Mike Bobo. Would you want to play for your dad? Uh, if my dad was employed at Auburn, maybe, or if my dad worked for an <laughs> SEC school, maybe. Um, I, I'll be interested to see. Like, by the way, if you want to brag a little bit about your your dear alma mater. Uh, by the way, Auburn number number three preseason seven A poll this year. Uh, Thompson is of course Thompson at number one. Hoover's of course Hoover at number two. That Auburn offensive line, Auburn high offensive line, is going to be loaded. Like they've got a, they've got like several, you know, power five talents. And uh, Auburn's going, Auburn University's going after a couple of them. Not only Drew Bobo, but Easton Harris, who transferred in from uh, from Beauregard, is another guy that that a lot of people uh, have said that Auburn's going after as well. So it'll be interesting to see if the offensive line starts picking up. How many of these guys Auburn gets from? Literally their own backyard. A little different with Drew Bobo, obviously because of his dad and that he's a newcomer to the area. But like, if you can start picking up guys that are around here, you know, a little bit more frequently than you did under the last staff, that's a good way to kind of. I, I think I think Brian Harson and his staff have really done a good job of trying to 
as newcomers and outsiders to kind of acclimate them, themselves and, 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 and get in with the local area. And I think high school kids, you know, recruiting this area is a pretty big one. Now, a guy like Caden Story, Auburn's last staff was recruiting him already, and he would have been a big factor anyway. Looking but, at you, UCF. Yeah, yeah. He came down between Auburn and UCF. And uh, so, I mean, this will be a – yeah, this this is a good pickup. And I know Alabama hadn't offered him. They recruited him. He camped and visited and stuff, but they hadn't offered him, which – Kind of makes sense. Alabama's board is probably pretty loaded at the at the you know with guys they like at, at defensive line. Uh, but hey, when you get a four star and you get a guy who's the number one player in your class so far, it's always a good thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, Painter, the your alma mater should be proud of uh, what that. I, I, I was I was looking at their offensive line talent and I was thinking they should never throw the ball this year. <laughs> they should just be able to run behind all those guys. If you've got a college offensive line in front of you. Do you have any idea? I know this will enter so many people listening to the yes. podcast. Who QB one is for the sweet, sweet alma mater? I know who it is, but I can't remember the name off the top. Fair of enough. Fair but, enough. But uh, well, I don't think I should belabor the point because I don't think that's why most people. Came uh, one here. of their quarterbacks is yeah, uh, yeah, is yeah. is Brian Harson's uh, Brian Harson's son, uh, Davis. So shouts out. Yeah. Bring Shut it home. Up. Bring home the state title, then bring home the national title. Harson family. No pressure. No pressure coming from this room. Uh, my alma mater, by the way, preseason number ten in in, in the three. Not to be outdone, the Op Bobcats, which really does roll off the tongue. Yeah, I my only thing growing up is just like it was funny that every one of our high schools around us were some version of black and yellow, like we were for some reason. Like all of them were black and gold, big and with except for a couple other ones. Uh, but Bobcats, like that's not a very common name. Like you, Auburn, obviously being the Tigers, well, that makes sense. But you know, we we at least had some. We at least had a little bit of. We are the Bobcats, the mighty, mighty Bobcats. Yeah, we weren't. We weren't like. We weren't like the our beloved uh, Highland Home Flying Squadron. But you know, the trash pandas. The tra- <laughs> I some high school teams should probably adopt trash pandas, don't you think? Haven't been to one of those games. Haven't you know Huntsville's just far enough away that I don't ever go. And that's probably not the only reason. You ever but... been to Biscuits games? Well, I've gone, fine. I've gone to Biscuits games, but I've not been to a Biscuit game in yeah, 10 either. years. I've yeah. been to more Barron's games than I have Ooh, Biscuits games. That's a good part, too. Good Thirsty Thursday deal. But it started getting overrun. You animals out there, I couldn't be around all of you, so I stopped going. All right. Moving on to our final topic. Fall camp coming up here later this week. I wrote a story on Thursday for those of you who are subscribed at the Observer about Bo Nix and about this offense. I've been on YouTube. I've been trying to listen to anyone who has a microphone tell me why Bo Nix will be good this year. So I wanted that's what I wanted to get to because you have been you have been uh, unafraid throughout uh, your you really the last two years telling everybody you know that you believe in Bo Nix and that it's you me, were me and Jordan Palmer, baby. Yeah, yeah. You you have been a proto this is the year guy for a while now. Um, it is. Bo's coming into fall camp. Here's T.J. Finley. Demetrius Davis is, you know, from from what I've what I've heard and read, is doing a really good job in 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 the summer as well. He's got pressure on him, but it's not like his starting job is an Im, in a, yeah, imminent in a, danger. In a, in a sense, that's that, a tough word to say. Imminent, imminent danger. In the sense that it, there's now, so I mean, I just don't think you expected a true freshman to come in and take Davis's job, and I don't expect Finley to come in and take the job either. But it's more likely that Finley could. 
And I think it's going to work itself out in fall camp. Uh, Harson said it at SEC Media Days. Look, we're going to have competition at every position, but I brought Bo Nix and Owen Papo with me because they have been two of our best leaders and they have done exactly what we want to kind of set up what we don't we're have to, to read here. between the lines very no. hard with that one. Right. He could have easily taken a Nick Brahms. He could have easily taken somebody that you feel like, okay, you know that guy's probably not a tank. You get to take a tank. Say, yeah, I mean, tank, I know he's only a sophomore, but. I'm sure that they've coached these guys up to not say anything particularly interesting. Tank could have filled that role just as easily. And like and like Owen, I think Owen was interesting what he says. Like it's more of like you don't want him to say anything inflammatory. Agreed. It's not the interesting part so much as it is not calling out Alabama. Right. <laughs> right? Tony Fair is doing that on Instagram. But, but they didn't take him to media days. Hey, well, you know what? Uh but they but they talked about it too. And yet, like we said <laughs> recently, for some reason. We're not scared of Alabama was a talking point. I don't know. I don't know why, but it is. Um, yeah, so the, the school that has had at least a little bit of success. So back him. to Bo. Sweet, sweet. Back Bo. to Bo. He has had a lot. He's had to put in a lot of work this summer, continuing on what he learned from the spring because this is a brand new offense. This is his third offense in as many years. People will be like, "Well, what about that second season?" Wasn't that the same offense? It was like, yeah, kind of. They had, it was a different playbook, though. It's different terminology. Chad Morris had his own way of doing things. Which is to make sure you throw the ball against South Carolina. Yes. Uh, this is the this is his third, third type of offense. This is his third year in college. He's had to make this transition. One of the things that has been the talking point of this offseason is, is that can Bonex get better and B, can Bonex get better in an offense that isn't necessarily – has it doesn't necessarily have this giant track record of guys that play like him at a position more pocket passing more you know uh standing stand in there and do and do the work and bonex talked about it at media days that one of the things he's been working on the most is standing in the pocket and making tough throws he's like i know i can do it i just have to do it more consistently and he is making it sound like this offense is a better fit for him than people may have predicted one of the things was like going under center. Well, you barely ever did that in high school. You barely ever did that in your first two seasons at Auburn. He's like, I like it. It helps me diagnose things but before the snap more. So, Painter, my question to you as the Bo Nix apologist around here, what are you wanting to see from him in fall camp? What do you want to hear? What, what can you hear or take away, if anything, from fall camp that makes you think, by the time you hit week one against Akron, you're feeling good that by that that this year, this season for Bo Nix is going to be the one that he needs to have and the one that Auburn needs him to have. Competitive spirit, fight, grit, all of the buzzwords. I want to hear them, but also I actually want someone to come out there, probably will have to be a player at some point, and just be like, the quarterback competition has been good. I think you're going to hear a lot of the same TJ Finley. Everybody's pushing, doing a good job. Yeah. But I want at some point within about two weeks of fall camp to be like, Bo is the best player yeah. in the quarterback room and kind of be transparent about the direction it's heading in. I, I hope that by midway of the fall camp, it's like, yeah, maybe they haven't actually said he's the starter, right. but nobody's pretending. Yeah. I, some confirmation of that would be nice. I think the thing you just mentioned is like he's – He's never done this under under center thing. So part of it's going to be like, how about I'll believe it when I see it? Because right. last year I was gassing him up 
And it's well, like, in the right, first two games, you're going to probably look pretty good. good. But, you know, it, it is a matter of, like, I'd like to hear from some of his own teammates that, that he is the best quarterback in the room. And then at that point, it's a waiting right. game for me. I, I don't know if after two fall camps we've already had with Bo, if there's that much that can get me excited until we see what you just mentioned. Can he stay in the pocket? How's footwork? Look, one of the things Harson talked about in the spring, decision-making, you don't have to do everything on one play. I, I referenced uh, I referenced this in the story from Thursday, but Owen Papo at Media Day said this about Bo. He said, um, what I've noticed is he's been more calm. He seems to be more comfortable in this offense, even though he's just now learning it. He seems to be picking up on things really fast, going through his progressions well. Shoot, he's even helping out TJ sometimes, too. I think he's going to have a better season this year. When you hear him talking about being more calm and more comfortable in this offense, to me, that that that's big. Because... This offense is going to want them, first and foremost, wants their quarterbacks to be calm, comfortable, and to be to be decisive to know where they're going with the ball. Brian Hartson said it a ton at Media Days. You have to be elite before the snap to be elite, to have any chance of being an elite after the snap. And what we think about with, with quarterbacks so, so often, because it's what we see, and for those of us who aren't in the program or aren't quite as football knowledgeable as the people in it, what we see is just like, okay, play happens, quarterback makes a throw, we're like, all right, well, you can look at the route or the decision-making there and, and see that, but so much of what's going on there is pre-snap what goes on. And if Bo has the weapons to be more uh, to be more decisive in the pre-snap, I think he's going to be a better quarterback. Now, there are things about his game that he's going to have to improve on his own. He's got to hit open receivers he's got to be more accurate with deep ball he's got to lead receivers more he's got to he's got to do the things he's talked about he's got to trust his protection right because there were times where even when the protection was there he would still roll out and bail out all that they got to kind of break him down and go back to it's like okay is this read here is this read here is this read here then take off not this read's not here go which i think there was a lot of that in gus's offense and that's why I think it's partially hard. First off, I've gassed up the guys so much over the last two years that, like, what else could I say? But also, it would be great to hear that he's tearing it up in fall camp, but it's ultimately right. going to be a waiting. Like, once we get to Penn State, I'll be like, all right. Th- this is what the last eight, nine months of podcasting has been about, re- revolving <laughs> around Bo Nix. This is what it's all been about. This is what all of our podcasts have been leading to. Bo Nix. Happy Valley. A step forward. Um, one of the one of the things I mentioned in the story was a quote that I saw from Jordan Rogers about Gus's offense. He seems to like Bo a lot. He he was saying Bo is one of the most quarter the most talented quarterbacks in the SEC. He needs the roadmaps. He needs the answers. If the first read is not there, and the second read is not there. He actually needs a route to go back to. Talking about under Gus Malzahn, tempo. It was a you know simplicity, simplicity, lethal simplicity is what I always called it on offense. Where it was like, you know what the defense is going to be in. You draw up a play that doesn't have that many routes. Guys don't have to think quite as much. Boom, boom. You know you move and you keep going. As defenses adjusted to tempo and no huddle playing that became less of an advantage right so this offense is going to be about thinking this offense is going to be about knowing where to go with it and i think if you go back and watch the 8 day game there were several instances where you saw that but would read a blitz he knows where to go as soon as the ball snap boom catching his hands go 
Look at last season. Bo Nix had one of the longest times to throw uh, measurements of any quarterback in the SEC. Wasn't because Auburn's offensive line was just a you know brick wall up there and and, and, and protection on every single play, but it was because Bo scrambled and kept things alive a lot. All right, wanting to be quick, you want to have a quick, you want to be a good quarterback with quick time. Look at what Tom Brady does. Look at what other Patrick Mahomes is is a great example of that. Mahomes when they run those RPOs, it's like, well, he's the only one on the planet that can hit somebody in that window that quickly because of how 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 strong his arm is. You want to have those quick times. You want to have those quick answers. If it's open on that first read, boom, let it rip. And that was another thing that 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 Bo said is that I've got to have the confidence just to let it rip sometimes and not overthink it. And you know, not that he's going to be careless with the ball. Like last season, he was like he had a pretty good interception rate ratio um, for all the amount of times he put the ball in the air. I think it's just going to be like, hey, it's a tighter window throw instead of hesitating or running with it, maybe I just need to let that thing fly a little bit. But you can only do that with confidence. And sounds like Bo is gaining that in this offense. Please, Bo. I beg of you. All right. So we've talked Bo. We've talked Caden's story. We've talked about uh, the prospects, uh, Sharif Cooper and JT Thor going to the draft. Let's wrap up this podcast by saluting the most successful Auburn athlete of this past week. And that Jesus. would be SUNY Lee. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Auburn University is about to get the best gymnast currently working <laughs> in the world. That poor ticket office. <laughs> the it was so wild watching them flooded. sell out during that. Right. During that, yeah, it was just refreshing and seeing just that the more gray popping up on the on, on the arena, and it was already a sport that gets good attendance. Now it's you know. You have one of the best attractions in all of gymnastics in the world. You are getting the one of the rarest things. It's something that literally has never been done. An Olympic gold medalist deciding to go to college and compete in gymnastics. She has reaffirmed it multiple times this week. I feel like Justin Lee is going to have to lose York, his mind. Yeah, before. yeah. New York Times, Washington Post, like they've all written some, it some and, form of story. And Suni Lee has, as you said, been like, yeah, that's that's the next. Well, Jeff Grabe has said it recently. It's kind of like, thank goodness for NIL, because back then, if you win the back before this, if you win the gold medal, well, none of your none of those sponsorships, like she won the gold medal in what is usually the most watched sporting event in the Summer Olympics, the the gymnast uh, women's gymnastics finals. I mean, you're talking about Wheaties boxes, you're talking about Visa commercials, you're talking about those big things, and you wouldn't be able to do any of that and still be a collegiate athlete until now. And so it's this like this cosmic set of circumstances where it all comes together, where Auburn has Jeff Graba as their gymnastics coach, and Jeff Graba's twin brother has a gymnast in Minneapolis who at a young age looked like she was going to be an Olympian. And then she gets better and better and better, and then she gets to the Olympics. And Simone Biles... Gets the twisties, which sound terrifying. I don't know how much you've read about that. That is just terrifying to sound to, to, to Long hear. Long story short, you don't know what the ground is. Yeah, it's like getting the yips for gymnasts, but you're doing it while you're flipping in the air, and so your body doesn't. Your body and your brain just kind of disconnect, and it takes a long time to recover from. Um, but it, it doesn't lead to a gold medal for the for the the Olympic national team, the 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 team competition. But then when the all-around comes in, and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of focus, she goes and wins the freaking gold medal. 
She wins a silver medal with the team. She's got a bronze medal on Sunday because didn't have her best stuff on 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 the bars, but still gets a bronze medal. It, it, it's wild. It's wild to think about. She goes from having like I want to say it was like two hundred thousand or something like that in uh, Instagram she followers a million to quickly. well over a million in a couple of days. She's become one of the more famous athletes of these Olympics, and she's going to be at Auburn. She's enrolled at Auburn. I've all, I was thinking the other day like how weird it would be to be an 18 year old and be in a class with Jabari and or Suni Lee and be like, Oh, I was watching you on TV on the Olympics or like in a few months, I'll be watching you in the NBA. Right. We're the same age. We are not the same. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild to think about. So congratulations to Suni. Awesome. Uh, seems to be repping Auburn really well. And like, look, I know until she actually competes for Auburn, everybody's going to be like, well, is she actually going to do it? Seems pretty seems pretty clear at this I point. I think she's made it clear that she's looking forward to the fact that unlike the cut she wants to be the nature first. of well, that's going to be a cool thing for her, and also it'll be I think for the most she part she can be an Olympic medalist and an NCAA champion. Her entire gymnastics career to this point has been training like a professional, and for right. the first time, while I think she will still be doing that. Because so there's be, a still a chance she'll be competing at Worlds and maybe even the next Olympics. For the first time, there might be more of a team element, right? And we've talked about this, and I think Lee did a good job talking about it mm-hmm. when he came on the podcast. There's much more, uh, it's much more about the team and college gymnastics, and they're kind of having a party while they're competing. Whereas in the Olympics, you can imagine that that's not a, it's not a thing. She wants to be. She wants to do it all. She wants to be an Olympic champion and NCAA champion. And now for the first time you're able to do that. And like, it's this wild set of circumstances has gotten to this point. So Auburn fans enjoy it. If you don't watch gymnastics, if you've never been to a gymnastics meet, go to one, go, they are. Go to well, one. I mean, the tickets are gonna be harder to get now, but they're a lot of fun. It's a fun sport. It is one of the most mesmerizing, uh, sports when it comes to what they do in the air. It was one of my favorite beats to cover when I was in college, and I've always kept a, kept an eye on it throughout the years. But you're about to see the best in the world play for Auburn, right? Compete for Auburn. This is like getting Patrick Mahomes to play quarterback for you this year. This is like getting LeBron James <laughs> to play for you. <laughs> like it, it's it's wild because uh, you know we, we, the trajectory of the gymnastics career is so different than those two sports. And we've but... seen, and we've also seen. Jeff Graba and the gymnastics team pick up more elite gymnasts, not quite at the level of SUNY because I don't know if you'll ever get a, another SUNY, but they've been able to use this as, as, as a platform to like say, Hey, come here. This is where Olympians compete. This is where some of the best of the best compete, which is admittedly like awesome to awesome to, uh, to, to see and, 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 and hear about. I, I'm going to try to go to a couple of meets this year as, as I think the price is going to be pretty high now, but, uh, can you can you get a little crossover uh, press pass for uh, if they do all sports again? I could go in there for it, but like I'd actually have to write and work, and I don't know if I want to do that. I just want to sit <laughs> back and watch, watch man. Her, yeah. But we would be remiss if we did not mention the other uh, Auburn athletes that you know one have performed one, and done well. Yes. Yeah, one gold at the uh, one gold at the Olympics. Uh, several swimmers uh, get involved. I want to make sure. I get all of this right. Um, Zach Apple. Uh, Every time I think I hear his name, I think Tim Apple. Tim Apple. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, Zach. Uh, Zach Apple set a world record uh, with his team in the 4x100 uh, medley relay. 
Um, and uh, he won one as a member of the 4x100 freestyle relay team as well. So he's he's coming in with uh, with two uh, Olympic medals. Auburn and swimming and gold medals, or at least Olympics, certainly something that is more familiar terrain. Uh, that swimming program has been cranking out Olympians for some time. And finally, uh, also want to mention Annie Laser, who uh, won bronze medal in the 200-meter uh, breaststroke, which was one of the more hotly contested swimming races at these Olympic Games. So Auburn coming in with three swimming medals and at this point three uh, gymnastics medals. And I think SUNY, as, as of the time recording this, SUNY's got one more shot to, to get another medal before she ends. So, so Auburn's got six medals here from the Olympic Games. At one point, they had more medals than the nation of Italy. I don't know if that's going to hold up anymore because I know Italy's got a really good track and field uh, presence uh, right now as well. So anyway, very cool stuff for Auburn. And I know Auburn fans excited about the future in the direction of gymnastics and also hoping that uh, swimming and diving can kind of get back to where they were back in the day when they were pumping out Olympians uh, pretty regularly. And so the new head coach uh, there trying to, trying to set that standard once again. We ready to roll? I think that's it. I think we've covered it. You know, hit you guys with the good stuff on football, basketball. Sure, the draft didn't go the way we had hoped. But nonetheless, I mean, look, Bruce Pearl is doing, uh, I mean, you got guys going in the draft every year now. Kind of Auburn adjacent, but Davion Mitchell. I mean, shouts Mm -hmm. out to that guy. And I think the next draft, for real, for real, could be particularly titillating. Yep, 100%. All right, we will talk to those of you in the inner circle later this week. For those of you, uh, our weekend warriors, we will talk to you again next week, uh, next Sunday, with some uh, more Auburn. We'll have actual Auburn football practice stuff to talk about, which is really exciting. It is time. Sign up for the Auburn Observer, $6 a month or $60 a year. This is a perfect time to jump on board and get uh, the newsletter straight in your inbox most days. Yeah, you guys are sending questions deferred without even being prompted. Yeah, for the the mailbag. That was really cool to see. So it's a good time to get on board if you haven't already. Check us out, auburnserver.com. For those of you who are the weekend warriors who listen to our free Sunday episodes, we'll talk to you next week about actual football practice takeaways, which is really cool. For the rest of you, we'll see you in the newsletters, and we'll talk to you again in the midweek episode for our premium subscribers. Painter, your final thoughts. God bless Auburn Athletics.